When I hear something amazing, oh, and feel free to tell your friends too. So Kohl's, they're having a huge sale on summer stuff. And if you live for sunny days like I do, you need to check it out. I got 40% off a new patio set, Food Network grilling essentials for 20% off, and 50% off those yard games my kids won't stop talking about. Best part? I got an extra $10 off and some Kohl's cash. It almost makes being cooped up all winter worth it. Almost. Select styles. 10 off 25 offer valid May 27th through 31st. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to hear your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willis. Let us engage. It is politics done right. Welcome to Politics Done Right on KPFT. This is your community radio station. And as such, folks, please remember, let everybody know about 90.1 FM Houston. One week. And we've had two massacres. Uh, Eight people dead in the Atlanta metropolitan area in Georgia. And we've had ten people dead in Boulder, Colorado. All of these conducted with weapons that folks really don't and shouldn't really have. And, you know, it it comes to question, when are we going to take guns seriously? When are we going to look at how things really are? When are we going to finally say that lives matter? We love to talk about The people who object to any serious uh, gun controls, any serious controls on these killing engines, those people who think about that are the same people who always like to talk about, we cherish life. We want to protect life. You know, I wrote this morning on my Facebook and on Twitter, the bolder murders are a constant, not by happenstance, but by the design of our gun laws. You cannot claim to value life if you create and value laws that facilitate the taking of lives. We can do better. We can definitely do better. And the reasons we are not doing better has little to do with most of us not wanting to do better, but with most of our politicians acquiescing to the few who wants to live in a laissez-faire society where we live at the whims of those who would kill us, at the whims of those who would hurt us. Until we decide that that is no longer viable for our lives, things will stay the same. And that's why we have mass killings after mass killings after mass killings in this country like no other. Even in war zones, we don't see 
the massacre that we have in our cities by individuals going out and doing these things. Let's all do better. Let's all force our politicians to represent us the way that they should, the way that they must. And let's make sure the NRA, that very corrupt organization, being threatened with lawsuits throughout New York and otherwise. Let's make sure that we don't allow the corrupt to continue to corrupt our politics. Today's show is titled Police Brutality in Texas. 28 Minutes with Neil Aquino, Benjamin Dixon on Independent Media. Houston Peace and Justice Center President Jeff Reese and Attorney Alberto Ruiz details police officers' assault of Gary Berger. Uh, I was honored to appear on Houston activist Neil Aquino's show, 28 Minutes with Neil Aquino, on engaging the right and much more. And finally, independent journalist Benjamin Dixon discusses independent media. More importantly, he spoke of reasons for identity politics. Before we get started, I want to give a big thank you. Howard Smith of Houston, Texas, thank you so kindly for your support. Uh, Pat Garris of Spring, Texas, thank you so kindly for your support. HPJC, Houston, Texas, thank you so kindly for your support. And also John Schweiger of Houston, Texas, thank you so kindly for your support. Folks, Please remember to go to kpft.org, go to kpft.org, hit that donate button and make sure this station stays alive. Hit that donate button. We're not in fun drive, but still that doesn't stop you from supporting us because the more you support us during our regular shows, the, le the, the least we have to come back and have days and days and days of fun drive, which I know many of you hate. Trust me, I'm behind the mic. I hate it. I want to be there giving real, real, real new news. News not necessarily covered, progressive info, not only about our community locally, but nationally. But anyhow, let's get busy. You know, we've been going over several issues recently with police brutality in this country. I mean, uh, it is sort of many times out of hand. Well, I got an FYI this morning from the president of the uh, Houston Peace and Justice Center that uh, revealed a new case. Well, I don't know how new the case is, but I figured I better go ahead and do a little bit more about this. So uh, with us today, we have uh, Jeff Reese, who's the president of the Houston Peace and Justice Center, and Alberto Ruiz, who is the uh, lawyer for the person whose neck was broken. So Jeff, why don't you tell me a little bit about the story and how you got involved with this story? Well, um... I don't know if you remember, there was a case that Randall Callan had had of a young man that was taken from his truck on a traffic stop. And uh, basically his arm was almost broken and he was brutalized and arrested for a class C misdemeanor. And I was contacted by a, a young man and his girlfriend uh, of a very serious incident that happened in, in uh, Pinehurst, Texas. And uh, through finding out what happened, I contact, you know, I've, I've been in touch with his attorney, uh, Alberto Ruiz, and very thankfully, he's got a, a very good law firm that's helping him. So I'm going to, I want to be careful on what I say. Albert, can you, you want to comment and then kind of bring us up to snuff on what happened? Sure. And thank you for the opportunity to be here to share this information uh, with the community. Um, you know, my client, uh, Gary 
on January 19th, 2021, so this is pretty recent, um, was riding his motorcycle to his girlfriend's house. Uh, it was late in the evening. And um, as he was on his way, he was passing um, police who were uh, doing a traffic stop. And, uh, you know, because they were doing the traffic stop on the side of the road, he kind of had to go around them. And, um, and so in doing that, unbeknownst to him, the police started following him um, to pursue him so that they could stop him for, you know, uh, I guess, uh, unauthorized, you know, kind of going around them and not really a proper charge. But either way, they didn't like that. And they followed him and they followed him all the way into the neighborhood where his girlfriend lives. And um, as he was tur turning left and turning right down the road, uh, he either sl slid and lost control because the, the road was a little bit wet or he was uh, hit from behind by the police cruiser. And as he was getting up from his bike was the first time he realized that police were behind him. And uh, as he got up, he raised his hands and said, hey, you know, what did I do? And pretty much without further inquiry, the police tased him. Uh, he fell back to the ground. Um, there was some, you know, communication about it between them, uh, you know, while he was trying to recover from being tased. And they didn't explain to him why he was stopped. They didn't, uh, you know, give him an opportunity to explain himself. They put him in handcuffs and um, they then lifted him off the ground. Uh, other officers arrived on the scene. They lifted him off the ground, all his whole body, and they were going to throw him in the back of the car seat, kind of like sideways, like a log, you know? And in doing that, they slammed his head against the door frame of the police car and broke his neck. Um, they dropped him to the ground. Then they picked him up again the same way and then, you know, bulldogged him back into the back of the, of the cruiser, face down, lying laterally in the back of the police car where he passed out. And the next thing he knows, Gary's waking up in an emergency room, um, not even, well, by this time it was, he was already in, he was already uh, had received emergency surgery on his neck and he woke up uh, to find out that uh, the doctors had to uh, correct uh, his practically paraplegic condition by fusing his neck vertebrae uh, in order to save his mobility. And since then, his life has never been the same. He'll probably never recover. I mean, he's a young 40-year-old man who was working, making $60,000 a year. Um, and now, you know, he, um, he'll never be able to work like that normally again. Uh, he's having a very difficult time. And we'd like the community support um, in this you know, um, search for justice. Now, is he, can he walk at all now or? Well, luckily and miraculously, the doctors uh, worked so quickly and effectively that they, that he is able to walk. He was pronounced paraplegic when he got to the hospital, but they were able to, for now he's able to walk, but he's so fragile that if, if the man falls or trips or, or gets hit the wrong way, he could potentially lose all, all loss. Of because the, the vertebrae, are, they're still healing right now. Correct. Now, what recourse, uh, what, what have they said about it? Have they taken responsibility for breaking his neck? 
Well, you know, according to the to the rules, you know, in, in this type of a case, uh, um, Gary did timely file a complaint to the, uh, the precinct five Montgomery County Police Department uh, constable's office, precinct five constable's office. Uh, he filed the complaint against the officers. And, um, and so, you know, that they're supposed to then the, the, the main constable is supposed to then follow up, reprimand, investigate, and figure out what to do about the situation. We have not heard any follow-up uh, since that complaint was filed about two weeks ago. And who pays all the medical bills, which are going to be extensive for an injury of that type? Well, you know, that's, that's the big question, right? Uh, and that's why there is a civil lawsuit because Gary, and I don't think very many people at all could cover that much medical bills. I mean, we're talking about um, major catastrophic neck surgery um, and the medical bills are going to be in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. So at the moment, you know, uh, nobody's paying them. Uh, you know, we're trying to help him in the community. We're trying to get the community support through his GoFundMe page, which we'll talk about in a second, to uh, get people to help him with those necessity um, expenses that he has. Uh, you know, he has to go for regular doctor's appointments. He has to get medication. He has to pay for the wheelchair and uh, a number of other um, you know, medical needs that are ongoing. But ultimately, at the end of the day, he's going to be left with a medical bill well upwards of $100,000 and you know, definitely more than that. But it's, no. it's going to be very expensive. And this is just because the police officers decided to follow somebody that they think came too close to them as he passed them when they were on another traffic stop. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, that's what that's what the criminal um, uh, indictments state themselves, that he was just you just went around them during while they were at a traffic stop. It, he never got cited for, you know, anything else. He got cited for um, um, evading arrest and for um, um, assaulting or harassing a police officer. Typical. Uh, that is a typical way that they get around it. Okay, now let, let's uh, go about eyewitnesses. Uh, uh, do, do they have dash cam at all? We have requested the dash cam and the body cam videos. Um, this, is a, this is a new case and it is fresh. So uh, th those are pending. We should be having those hopefully soon. And, if, and you know, there's sometimes a battle to get those. So, And eyewitnesses? We do have out eyewitnesses, at least at least two definite eyewitnesses um, that are part of the community. And have they been, uh, uh, what do you call that word, De uh, debriefed yet or? We have, with the help of the Houston Peace and Justice Center, uh, we have uh, got their statements and they've uh, promised to, to be available if, if needed for trial. Okay, now, uh, Jeff, you are uh, putting together, I think, uh, on your own behalf, a, a Zoom call to bring some more awareness to this. Is that correct? Yes, it's not on just my behalf, but actually the Greater Houston Coalition for Justice, Cops and Communities, LULAC, and We the People Organize have also joined with us to help uh, Gary Berger in, in his case. Uh, Albert, I don't know if you mentioned the fact that the officer filed a protective order against Gary when he was in the hospital, and that was pretty sneaky and kind of cowardly. 
And I, I recognize that as a maneuver to try to, you know, divert the blame of what they had done onto Gary. And that's a terrible thing. I, that, yeah, that let, a, me, let me stop you there because I want to ask the lawyer something. Now, Alberto, please tell me, why would a police officer ever attach such a, uh, a restraining order on uh, somebody that's in the hospital with a broken neck? Well, you know, clearly a restraining order is a protective order uh, is another word for it, uh, is something that's used to protect someone against potential violence or danger uh, to themselves or others in their family. And, you know, uh, in this case, however, uh, as you stated earlier, you know, we believe that it's just a, um, a tactic that the police officer used to try to cover himself uh, for the eventual um, attack on his credibility uh, and on the basis for him having injured the defendant so badly. So now in that protective order, what is what is he trying to be protected against? What is he saying? The threats of what violence. Is his, what is his fear? Right. Well, his 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 fear is 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 retribution that, uh, you know, a, a guy with a broken neck somehow is going to go after him, you know, and um, it's just, it's really unfortunate, you know, uh, it's the kind of thing that we continue to see with police officers uh, utilizing their authority to uh, protect themselves from accountability. That's really the issue that we face in the whole nation, you know, uh, officers having uh, the uh, immunity clause and uh, different protections that have, you know, prevented regular citizens from protecting their rights and recovering for their injuries. Um, it's amazing to me, but I just think that something needs to be done to make sure that in this case, we can show the example of just how far the police are, are willing to go. I don't think there's a lot of police brutality cases where the police have asked for a protective order. I know that that is, that is simply funny. Uh, now, I mean, we have to bring back the police to remember that they are there to protect us and not the other way around. They have their own institutions as if the police is something within itself. They are there for us. It's hard to understand how we get police unions and all these kinds of things that that are there to pro protect the interests of cops and not the interests of the people. Jeff, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you intend to do with the Zoom call? And also if you want to mention about the GoFundMe. Yes, that's the main reason uh, that we were doing this Zoom is to generate um, publicity of what's really going on in this case and to help Gary with his medical bills and, and his legal bills too. Um, he's, he's lucky he's got a good law firm that's helping him but he's still facing a very uphill battle. Um, I think they had only raised like $600, Albert. I mean, last time I checked. Right. So, I'm going to put the link in there, uh, Jeff. So why don't you tell us how we can uh, get to the Zoom? I think the Zoom is tomorrow. Yes, the, the Zoom is tomorrow at 7.15. And uh, we're sending, yeah, uh, we'll send a link out if that's okay. I, I've sent a, an invitation out to many different organizations to help us in, in this endeavor and to help us fight the overall systemic problem of police abuse. And it doesn't get, in my mind, worse than this case right here. And look. So, yeah, and it's the, the bad thing is we're talking Pinehurst, Texas. 
Uh, Montgomery County, it's it's a very conservative area, and a lot of people, they have a bias to, for the police, that law enforcement is going to be there to protect them. And I had a, a discussion with someone just last night, the same individual who's very pro-police almost was arrested after he sold his truck. And someone used his truck to commit a crime. And it was a serious crime of a bubblegum machine being stolen, but it turned into a felony. And the agency was a smaller agency. And they, so they, they asked my, this individual to come down to the station. So when I was asked what to do, I said, no, you don't go to the station. You get an attorney, then right. you go to the station. And sure enough, he got an attorney, he went down there and they tried to arrest him, even though he had nothing to do with it. They had a video camera of the actual perpetrator. They didn't care. They were gonna arrest this man who had sold his truck for that crime. And um, there's a young man named Anthony Graves. I don't know, he's with Texas Southern University Forensic Institute now. He spent 23 years on death row I know him. He didn't come in. I know him well. I interviewed him before. Yeah. yeah. But Jeff, we got to go here. So uh, real quickly, um, give me a, a quick one short closer that, we, that our audience need to know. And then I'll ask the same of Alberto Ruiz. Yeah, we need to stand together and, and fight, fight, the, the, fight the, the battle, if you will, and stand up for what's right. And, uh, you know, what's wrong, we need to stand against that. So. Thank you very much, uh, Jeff. Alberto? We invite the community and the public to join us on our Zoom meeting. Uh, it's just a coalition meeting to inform the community of what's going on tomorrow at 7.30 p.m. And we ask that you get on that GoFundMe page and donate to Gary for his, uh, his special needs. And we hope that we can count on your support. Look, guys, thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Alberto, for, uh, for being on the program. I think uh, this is how uh, things that a lot of times the mainstream media doesn't cover requires that we actually take active control and do it. Thank you guys both for being here on Politics and Right. Thank, Thank you. you. Recently, Neil Aquino, actually his show, uh, 28 Minutes with Neil Aquino, asked me to appear and he wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the book that I wrote called It's Worth It, How to Talk to Your Right-Wing Relatives, Friends and Neighbors. And reason why is his, he wanted to know, Egberto, is it really viable to engage those people on the right? Are we wasting our time? I want you to listen to some of the engaging conversation we had with him and then we'll take it on the other side. So you've written this book, we should speak to others. We've referenced your um, the Starbucks, you speak to the people in your community as you speak to the people who call from around the globe. You open yourself to up to other views. But in these last three or four years, not that it wasn't always there, has become a, a, a re-emergence or a more public emergence or a more brazen speaking of these terrible words and thoughts. We've had a coup attempt. We've had this white supremacist president. Why should I follow your premise of reaching out. Before we get into some of the details of your book, given the shit that's happened, given the risk to democracy, if that coup attempt had been successful or police had joined it, why? I am why? so glad you asked about why. The truth of the matter is, I think Donald Trump was a blessing. You ever have that cut on a part of your body that it looks like it healed over and there's a slight thick skin on it, but if you ever uh, scrape it, you can see that the rat is still underneath or the, the raw is still underneath on that cut. And that's where we are as America. Liberals like to go ahead and talk about conservatives as, as being the racist part of, uh, of all of that. I'm going to tell you something, and you may find this interesting. Some of the most vicious racism I've faced hasn't been somebody calling me the N-word. 
but simply being invisible at a progressive convention. You went somewhere and they didn't, they didn't see you. They didn't hear you. Right. And, I, and that is even more vicious than the other. The other thing that I can tell you, I can tell you that I went and I interviewed the, the family of Daniel Boone in West Houston at a tea party event. In Daniel? A, in Daniel Boone. Descendants of Daniel Boone. Yeah. West Houston. Yeah. I you that I've read a biography of him. There I am. I am talking to these guys, tea party and all of that. And in as much as I know the genuineness wasn't necessarily there, by the time we were done talking, they wanted to show me that they weren't racist. They were racist, but they wanted to show me they weren't. But by the time we were done, in as much as they are who they are, they got an understanding of Black people, Latinos, and all of that that they never knew. And you could see, I could watch them change the way in, in front of them, because there was somebody when they said something silly, didn't just come back and fight, came back and said, okay, tell me exactly why you feel that way. And when they realized that what was happening in them was ridiculous. Look, Donald Trump did something that very few can do. Donald Trump went into the carnal mind of white people that said, remember, if they ever come into the fold, they're taking something away from you. That's the only way Donald Trump gets 74 million votes mostly white, because they think somehow something is being taken. Now, I wish there were more people who were willing to go up and say, I'm going to listen to you talk the crap, the belief that you have, and then ask you, what do you think is a birthright that you've had that I'm taking away? The reality is you've never had a birthright. You've been fooled for these all these years. And that's I go through a lot of that in my book. You've been fooled. Yeah, right. I go through a lot of that in my book. The people, you know, people think, oh, racism, black people getting hurt and all of that. Racism hurt everybody. And the truth of the matter, racism is what allow all them people in Appalachia to be poor. It allows all the pain that's going through white America right now. It's that's what's causing it. And in the book, I kind of explain some of that. And it's like, when we see the light, I have this term I use on my show. When we unite Appalachia, the ghettos and the barrios, it's a stereotype. But when we unite Appalachia, the ghettos and the barrios, we would have won the war because the idea is the plutocracy has to keep white people, black people, Latinos, and everybody fighting among each other so that we don't see where the problem really is. So there, there, was, a, there was a brief moment where uh, Robert Kennedy and LBJ thought that was the vision. You believe that that vision is, is still there. Oh, yeah. Look, let me tell you something. When I talk to people one on one, I see people's humanity. When you speak to people in crowds, what you see is a mob. All kind, there are all kinds of mobs. In other words, if I get a whole bunch of people together where peer pressure takes control, people lose their humanity to the goings of the herd. You know, we talk about trying to get herd immunity, right? Herd immunity is infiltrating enough people's minds with the kind of beliefs I talk about in, in let's say it's worth it. When I say it's worth it, that's what I mean. It's worth, it's worth going through what I go through with, you know, name calling and all of that. If I think I'm going to plant a seed in somebody's head, even if it doesn't immediately emerge, my thing is if I can create and replicate many, which there are many others doing this as well, uh, that into people's minds, people would get it. And if we get enough of the people believing or acknowledging these things, herd immunity again, right? Because suddenly when you are inside of your herd, where you would have had these stupid thoughts or where you would have had these racist thoughts, it looks so stupid. I mean, that, that is already in effect, right? 
you as a liberal, you as a white liberal guy, you hang around a whole bunch of uh, uh, people that are progressive, a, a, a lot of them. And in that herd, certain things look very strange when they do certain things. You are an advocate for true, for criminal justice, environmental justice, racial justice, social justice. You support all of that because you're, that's where your herd is. Let's crystallize your vision. You believe you have the capacity and you have successfully brought people to a better place. Yes. Is that cool? And then, and that will help keep us free because that'll keep us from the conflict that results otherwise. Yes. Okay. And so sometimes I feel, I look at 1492, 1619, Nicole Hannah-Jones, 1620, Plymouth Rock, 1776, Reconstruction, the reaction to President Obama. And I have to admit, I, I, and then I look at an ecological crisis on top of it. And I, I have to admit, I, I, I'm not sure I see the way out of it. So you, you maintain that faith out of it. You were born in Panama. Yes, Central America. Does that give you a different perspective? What is, what is that immigrant experience and that immigrant experience from, from your neck of the woods give you? This stance that I'm taking, I don't think is a stance based on my upbringing or where I'm from. I think this is developed. I think I was just as sexist. I was just as homophobic. I was just as a, I had a lot of my own isms. When I fought off my first ism, which I think was homophobia. You've that, been open I, about this. You, you often reference this. I, and, and because it, that is how deep it was. Where I, the part of the world where I'm from, homophobia, I mean, homophobia is, is real. So the reality is I'm genuinely not there anymore at all. I mean, it's not even in the carnality part right. of my thing. Right. And the same, have, it's same is with sexism. All, all these isms that I had, I overcame. They didn't happen by magic. They were intentional. It wasn't only logic. Logic says racism is stupid. And you can ask any racist and they'll acknowledge it's stupid. I mean, if, if I'm a black guy and you're a white guy, you have a white sister and there's a possibility if your white sister needed a heart transplant, you couldn't give her. And there's a possibility that me as a black guy, if I drop dead and my heart is still usable, she could use it. Why the hell does racism mean anything if that's the, if that's the reality? It is stupid. It, intellectually, we know that. And, there's and there's an all that- in the family episode where, where Archie got a blood transfusion from a black man. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was worried. Yeah. He was worried what it would do to him. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so when you, when you start, you, you, you first get the intellectual, right? And after the intellectual, when you get past that intellectual thing, you have to make it here. Well, here really means here, right? I mean, you, you get what I'm saying. So I, I get it. And my thing is to talk to people and say, listen, uh, it, 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 you have to be intentional with these things. And you also have to realize that these are the fears and the things that the powers that be use against us. Do you think Oprah and Trump are really big enemies? Hell no. Oprah and Trump. Think about it. You know, I saw Oprah's interview and they're talking about the racism at the palace and all that kind of stuff. But the truth of the matter is at this level that Oprah is, she may have problems at a shop in, 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 in France who doesn't know who she is. But ultimately, she was able to go buy the shop and say, well, now you know who I am. We mistake a lot of times what the plutocracy, those in power, maintain by keeping us all fighting among each other uh, with what's really going on. The president of China and America and all of these guys, they break bread together and they'll have their armies fight to get power. And then when it's all over, we are dead and they are sitting down at a table having caviar. 
I am honored to be with Benjamin Dixon. Ben Dixon on, on TV, you usually hear about him. Benjamin Dixon is the creative director for East and 42nd and host of Like It or Not with Benjamin Dixon. He is a journalist that unearthed the audio clips of presidential candidate and former New York Mayor Mike Bloomberg advocating now serving B24 at DMV window number seven. Okay, Jim, we're next in line. Perfect, Jim. Things are going very smoothly. You remember the cell phone bill? Yes, and the birth certificate. Nice. We'll have a real ID in no time. That's right. Ready to fly to Carla's graduation and then the big game. Real great work, Jim. You too, Jim. Excuse me, are you talking to yourself? Now serving B25 at window number 10. That's our cue, Jim. Excuse us. Talk yourself into real ID readiness by May 3rd, 2023. Make a plan at dhs.gov slash real ID. Amazon is offering sign-on bonuses up to $1,000. Plus, get up to $20 an hour for select roles. The best part? We're hiring near you. So start now to take home something greater. New, higher wages with a sign-on bonus. A range of real benefits and career growth opportunities in a top-rated workplace. So earn more and see how great pay and sign-on bonuses can lead to a greater life for you. Go to Amazon.com apply. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer controversial stop and frisk policies he has written for the guardian and he sometimes appear on the majority report with sam cedar and guess where he appears now with politics done right ben it's my pleasure to have you here how are you doing today i'm doing great that was a heck of an introduction so thank you so much for that and i'm more than honored to be here with you today well look let me tell you you do some very good work and i want to i want to take you back to 2015 yeah you are on your uh, Facebook page, 42nd and uh, East and 42nd, you have a, the first video out there is a good microcosm of why we need independent media by all. Yeah. You did that video about the black father. Oh, wow. About that interview. I, I, I didn't tell you I was going to talk about that. Oh, but I forgot I all about that I video. Said, you know what? <laughs> I want to start this interview with that wow. because that is the exact reason why we must have independent media yeah. by people of all ethnicities, et cetera. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that yeah. video. Um, you know, it, it really was, it was my first video. It literally was the first video I ever put out. Um, and it came as a result of um, somebody, they were well-meaning and I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not one of those super, I'm, I'm sufficiently woke. But right. I'm not one of those super woke who can't take a, 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 a compliment. But there was a white couple that passed by our table at dinner back in 2015. And, and they were like, oh, your kids are so well behaved. And I'm like, thank you. But then I thought about it and I processed it. And I'm like, but this is just kind of like what we do. You know, I know it's not everybody. Not every father is a good father, you know, whether you're black, white or other, you know, but, you know, from my family, this is just what we do with my friends, my circles, like we do, we pour everything we can into our children and into our family units. And so I just wanted to make the statement that I'm just an average black father, like whatever accolades people give me in terms of like my beautiful family, it's like, but this is what I see, you know, I know the narrative is not like that in, in the media, but exactly why we need an independent media, because in, in every aspect of my world, everywhere I travel from the religious experience, when I used to be a part of the black church, real heavy to the political world like I'm just an average black father I'm not something special so that was the the, the spirit behind that very first video I completely forgot about it man <laughs> thanks for bringing that's a throwback well I mean what what's interesting about it uh Ben is that 
what I find, right, is anytime I get a call, or it used to be, anytime I get a call that somebody wanted you on their, uh, on their network or whatever, it is usually to talk about Black issues, That's right? It. Yep. Now, interestingly, when I started doing this yay yonder with the coffee party and other organizations, yeah, I okay. never, yeah, I never covered black issues. I covered right. issues. If right. one of them happened to be black, right, it is okay. It is what it is. Right, it is what it is. And so I, I, I but, but the interesting thing is, I also made the cognitive. I, I actually decided that I wasn't going to cover them unless it was substantive, because again. I didn't want to be typecast, right? Right, right. But still, what we find is a lot of times when we're called, that is what we're called for. What I was impressed with, which you did some stints at MSNBC, uh, mm -hmm. either MSNBC or CNN, I don't quite remember which one it was. Yeah, and I, I Mostly MSNBC, and I've done uh, one spot on CNN, if I remember. Right. Correctly. Yeah, yeah. What I found is that they they asked you a multitude of questions, not yeah. solely relegated to race. So tell me about yeah. how you made that transition, because I can look at the earlier times and see that they, uh, they would want you to talk a lot of race, but then they started yeah. to realize, well, you know, this guy is a lot deeper than just talking about racial issues. Talk to me a little bit about that. Well, first, let me say thank you for having me on. Thank you for these questions, because I don't ever get asked these questions. And I appreciate these questions. I, um, I'm black and I'm unapologetic about my blackness. I think that the solution to uh, the majority of what else this country can be found in the black experience because black people have had to survive this country. We ha we've had to survive slavery, Jim Crow, white supremacy. Uh, heck, we have had to survive the greed of American capitalism. And, and so I'm very unapologetic about my blackness, but that said, it's like, don't typecast me because, you know, not, and, and don't typecast anyone who's black because we've studied America. We've studied foreign policy. We've studied economics, literally, I, my, my, you know, my undergrad is in economics. My master's is in political science with a focus on international relations. I'm almost done with a PhD. I just ran out of money a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, that, that was before I got rid of Michael Bloomberg. I couldn't finish my PhD in international relations, but we've studied these things because we study them because it's our life. And so, you know, to limit us on their media channels to just talk about race is such a disservice to the wide range of expertise that you get when you talk to a, a, a black person, just, just like you would talk to anyone. Don't typecast anyone. Yeah. You know, what, what's interesting is um, you, you said it right, but uh, you also, earlier you spoke about white supremacy, et cetera. Mm. That actually feeds into white supremacy because as mm. it turns out, the only yes. way we can have white supremacy is if the majority of white people think that you are the other and you live some yes. sort of a sub life and or something, order, or something exotic like, ooh, what are you that that also like, no, we're, we're human beings who are studying the same problems you're studying. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, please do. I, I, I please do continue. Yeah, no, but that's 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 the, the spirit of it, right? What you said, you said that that feeds into white supremacy, right? Typecasting black voices, brown voices, Muslim voices, like what I what what the reason I'm doing it the way I'm doing it now, which is is independent, like you know, we we Eastern Forty Second is a media company that we built. My wife and I, we built it. My partner, um, we we're building it so that we can tell not just our stories, but we can speak on the issues without someone first typecasting us, right? And, and, and wanting to have our voices without what we actually want to say. I don't know if you've ever run into this, and I'm sure you have. You've been doing this long enough to run into it. People love to have 
tokenism. Like they love to have a black person who will come on and say stuff that they want to hear, right? So in that way, they want to hear our voices, but they don't sometimes genuinely want to hear what we have to say because what we have to say really upends this system because like I said, we've been studying it and we have a good tap on what's going on in this country. So it, it's, it's just really a fascinating balance that you have to take because my first time being on mainstream media, they wanted me to talk about race. And I, you know, there was the CNN uh, segment and I pivoted right to the issues that I talk about best, which are economic issues. And, and I have to give it to MSNBC. Like they, they're, most of their invites for me have been about politics and national politics and, and rarely about like just a race component. But if they let me talk long enough, then of course, of course, race plays into a, everything that it happens It plays into in economics. Country. Absolutely. Capitalism. But, uh, yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I'm sorry. Go ahead, man. I I, I want to hear you. Well, <laughs> I'm enjoying well, the conversation. I want I, I want to tell you a, a story. Two actually two minor stories, uh, because it, it feeds into exactly what you said. I I interview a lot of people. I interview, uh, you know, I have a lot of white friends, black friends, all kinds of friends. And this uh, this woman was good friend of mine. She was trying to. Uh, with what's been going on in the country, get her church to be more inclusive. Most of them believe yeah. they don't have a racial problem. She's in an all white mm. church. And she, she had enough confidence in me to talk to me. And we started talking on a zoom, a private zoom. Mm. And she said she wanted to self-examine herself uh, because she grew up in the South. And she said, there's not a possibility that I couldn't hold racial, some sort of racial issue. So she said she self-examined. And then she said, you know what I found Egberto? She says, I am, um, I don't, I like living in an integrated community, but I think I would have an issue if I were the minority in the oh. community. She had mm. enough confidence in me to tell me that story. Mm. And then she said, um, and then I said, why? And then she said, maybe because I think they wouldn't want me. Maybe mm. because, and she, she gave, she says she's not sure, but she gave all these reasons, right? And then I asked her, I said, look, this is a private conversation. We are talking on Zoom. May I use this conversation? Because I think your honesty could teach a whole lot of people that yeah. because she says she's trying to overcome it, right? Right, right. And she said, you think it'll make a difference? And I said, of course it will. And she put it out there. So the reason I'm telling that story, it is because there are certain things, even, even these, the progressives that we talk about, right? It is Come intrinsic on. as well that that same racial attitude it's just that they're on the progressive side trying to do things by policy better than yeah. on the other side yeah one other quick one i at at, at, um, at um net roots i'm always at net roots on radio yeah. row etc yeah and we were at net roots and after the black lives matter incident with bernie sanders occurred we saw people typing i've never been scared as scared like this before in my <laughs> life we that were was talking, 2015 too, right? It was like 2015, yes, 2016. Yeah, yes. I remember that. And this yeah. was Tia also and all these other activists that were the ones that, that were doing it. And yeah, then, yeah. then I went outside and I want to do interviews. So I'm, I am talking to these guys and I saw these four white guys and a white girl. They were there talking together. And I said, great, let me go up and talk to them. Like, hey, what do you think about the Black Lives Matter event that we just, I mean, the Black Lives yeah. Matter insurrection <laughs> that we just had there in, in, in at the net roots. It was Arizona back there. I, I'm trying to remember, but yeah. Yes, yeah, it was heard, Arizona. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. uh, one of the guys said, ah, you didn't want to talk. And then uh, she said, I'll say something. And then the other guy said, uh, okay, you go be there. Go be his token white. This is at net roots. Fascinating. 
Net Root. So I wrote, I, I didn't only write her story. I wrote the story about what occurred to show that we as progressives, right? Wow. Suffer the same. We are humans. That's what it is. We are humans. Whether yeah. you're right or left, the right yes. believes in, in doing things a certain way, the left in, uh, in a, but let's not try to make the racial thing somehow on one side only. Yes. Thank you for sharing those stories with me because one of the number one problems we've had um, that I've had personally, professionally, politically, um, and quite frankly, this country has had, has been the problem of white progressives understanding how even if they're well-intentioned, they still are part of a system that has to be addressed. And the best way I can explain the emotional pain and embarrassment and their reticence to address it is to compare it to the conversations that I've been really <laughs> hesitant about having with my wife about how um, as woke as I think I am, I still have a role in this patriarchal system, even if it's the role I play in my household. Right. I don't wanna have those conversations, but I have to have them if I'm going to really honor what I believe. And what I believe in is the liberation of all people from all people. No one should be subservient to anyone in a power structure. We are all human. We are all human beings. We all have the wonderful gift of sentience. We all have the wonderful gift of, of consciousness and life. And so if my true motivation is the liberation of all people, then I have to take a moment and pause and reflect the way in which I serve as an oppressor. And it sounds weird as being a black man saying that, but you know, after being in the pandemic with my wife for the last year, I had to learn some things about myself that I didn't want to hear. And, and I think progressives, especially white progressives, I need you to understand that lesson. It's like, it's not comfortable. It's not fun to understand how you've been complicit with the system and how sometimes your own words, like you mean well, I mean well. I've never, my wife would tell you that I'm probably the, the best husband she could have ever married and I mean well, but at the same time, meaning well doesn't mean you're not a part of a broken system that has to be addressed. And as so long as progressive white progressives ignore that reality, we're going to be continuously failing to obtain power to make the kind of changes that we want to make. Because black people listen, black people hear, they may never say it, you know, as, as, as clearly to us as they said it to you, but we feel it at an intuitive level, like we kind of just know it. And, and, and those are issues that we have to address because we need to, we need to solidify this allyship, um, this, 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 this solidarity that we have between us. We need to solidify it because we have some serious fights that we need to fight together. Man, Ben, what you brought up was deep. It goes with the church and yeah. not, it's less centralized on black church. It goes with the black church that has that horrendous patriarchy as well. Still and, to this uh, day. You, you know, so much so that a certain a larger percentage of men supported, you know, whom in chief. Yeah. But but yeah. but um, but again, I'm glad that you said that, because personally, I've had to, you know, I'm black, I'm Latino, I'm Caribbean. Mm. OK, mm -hmm. all these things in one one package, which means I came with all those right. sins. Right. Uh, homophobia. Yeah. Sexism. It's deep in, in where I'm from. And I, I can honestly say I've overcome them uh, because, again, it, being intentional, as you spoke about earlier with your wife and understanding that if we are talking about liberating, we yes. have to make sure that all women, all men, black, white, every absolutely every oh, identity. You know, uh, somebody asked me one time, they said, Egberto, you are always doing identity politics. And I'm like, why? I'm not necessarily racial politics, but identity politics. Right. And I'm like, 
I want identity politics. You have to have identity Come politics on. until identity doesn't make a difference. Right. But until it does, we have to take care of if women are discriminated apart in this format, we have to take care of that. If, if black folk are discriminated in this format, we take care of it. If white poor people are discriminated right. in this particular format, right. we have to take care of it. And right. and and that is where it that, that is where we are supposed to land. And so so I think we how, how is it that this is the first time we're speaking together, man? Like we 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 are we're part of the same same tribe. Like I'm from Mississippi, so I don't. I, I mean, I'm not from the Caribbean. I'm, I'm, I'm from the <laughs> South, brother. I'm from the yeah. South. I'm from Panama. <laughs> so so, but, but you know, like what you're saying is speaks to my heart at a level that I'm so glad to be doing this interview with you because like we have we have identity specific problems in this country. Right. Right. And so until we address those identity specific problems, you better sure as hell believe we got to talk about identity politics. But then we also have to be flexible enough to understand how systems can use identity. I'm Robert Conti, chief of the Metropolitan Police Department. Unfortunately, traffic fatalities are up in the district and I need your help to reverse this trend. Seatbelt save lives and reduce the risk of death or injury. Click it or ticket. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Politics is a way to maintain white supremacy, capitalism, right. all these other problems that we have. So, uh, man, oh, man, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> Look, there's another terminology that I've started to use, and that is because, you know, I've, 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 I think we've all figured this out. And that is, uh, you know, a lot of people look at white supremacy and they look at mm. their white brothers and sisters, my white neighbors, etc. And right. they're, okay, they're white supremacists and all of that. And the fact of the matter is, no. The fact of the matter is my those all those white people that are at these progressive events that are mostly white, generally speaking, you've been to them, you see them. Yes. OK, we are trying to solve a, a national problem, but they're mostly white and, and there's structural pro reasons why they yeah. these are the folks that have more money. They don't have to go to work. They can do these things. So that's understood. Right. But they are not they are victims themselves. Mm. of white <laughs> supremacy. A lot of people don't like when I say that, but let me let me try break to break it down because I, I get it, but break it down for me. Right. White supremacy isn't for them. They are the tools of white supremacy. White Man. supremacy is there for the plutocracy. In other words, the very top few, it's a it's a it's a caste system. Yes. And Absolutely. you can use identities to to actually work your caste system and what if it's one of the biggest identities white if you can control whites <laughs> by putting them above the others and say yes. you have some power because you are not them yeah yeah you can keep those white that white level under control so there's another concept that i try to teach people about our our form of capitalism and that is remember we are all what 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 i call antiseptic slaves so whereas slavery was was color based, right now you don't know it, but we're all antiseptic slave. You doubt it? Mm. it try try to change the system on your own. You can't. <laughs> watch this. Not only try to change the system on your own. Um, watch how the system responds to you, no matter what color you are. If you try to 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 address capitalism, right? If you try to address white supremacy underneath, 
right? We saw this in the, with the George Floyd's protest. One of the things that, that broke me, but also encouraged me was seeing so many quote unquote soccer moms, whatever, however people want to label them out there protesting on behalf of black lives. It was a beautiful thing to see. What also broke me was that the fact that cops were like, we don't care. We don't care if you're a white soccer mom and wine mom or liberal or anything. They were beating down those, those, those moms. They cracked the skull of that brother, uh, our white brother in Buffalo. Those cops mm-hmm. just got off the this week. Like they got off with it. And, 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 and it shows me that, you know, this system will crush anybody it has to in order to preserve that power structure that you're Prescient. talking about. It will destroy anybody. And, and, and you're absolutely right. It is a system. James Baldwin spoke to this, right? Uh, in his, in his uh, debate with William F. Buckley, I believe it was at Cambridge. And he was talking about the, the woman at the Western Union, who he clearly is making way more money than at that time. But at least she had the, the, the feeling and the sensation of at least I'm not black. Right. right. But here she is, a poor woman working at the counter at Western Union, having to cash his checks. Uh, but she still had an air of arrogance towards him. Little did she realize how much of a victim of the system she was herself. Exactly. And, you know, I, I think and, and I think that is where we as progressives uh, sort of fail and what I think we mm. can do as independent with independent media. Right. We mm-hmm. have to show the commonality between, you know, I have a, a, a phrase I use on my show all the time. When we unite Appalachia, it's a, it, first of all, it's a stereotype, but you're going to get it. When yeah, we yeah. unite Appalachia, the ghettos and the barrios, mm-hmm. we are going to win this fight. Because right now, all the forces are kept to keep poor white people or average white folk away from yeah. black folk away from Latino folks. Houston is a majority minority city, but the power base in Houston, Texas, where I'm based, isn't. And why? Because you have all these other people fighting for crumbs uh, because they don't realize they can actually have the entire pie. (laughs) You gotta be careful with all that revolutionary talk you're talking there, brother. (laughs) (laughs) They'll come after us. We talk like that too much. Uh, But what you're speaking to really cuts to the core of the, of, of, of the life of Fred Hampton in the new movie that's out, Judas and the Black Messiah, right? Yes. He really focused on very, like a laser was the ability to unite, um, not with, not unite with, with racist or, 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 or Nazis or anything of that sort, but to unite with poor white people who could understand that the way out of this broken system was through solidarity. And, and that solidarity didn't ask for us to ignore race, See, there are people who want us to make some alliances today in 2021 that require that we ignore identity, right? No, no. Fred Hampton was trying to build something where we understand the role that we all play in the oppression of each other. But if we recognize that way that we oppress each other, then we can look and see who the real oppressor is, which is the top 1% and all the ruling Exactly. Elite. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, the thing about uh, trying to look, I, 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 I tell folks, I will always want Italian food, soul food, Chinese food, all yeah. these kind of foods, uh, you know, uh, coming together doesn't mean losing one's identity Absolutely. as the masses would like you to believe, you know, uh, I like my Panamanian food. And you know, who is one of the best uh, cookers of Panamanian foods? My American wife. There you go. You know, there you go. Uh, my, so, my, my southern wife who knows how to make, she can make uh, greens and she can make arroz con pollo. Uh. You know? 
<laughs> I love it. Listen, when this is all over, you know, half of my family lives in, in Houston. So first of all, I, I'm, I'm glad you look like you're doing well, despite that, that weather that you guys yes. are having there. Glad everyone is safe. But when this is all over, I'm coming to Houston. <laughs> and you know what? You, you'll have a place to stay, my brother. But anyhow, we, you know, I just kind of wanted to have a chat with you, uh, pick yeah. your brain on a few things. And, and, and I think we spoke of as far as how important independent media is, especially so that somebody like you can yeah. get a real message out as opposed mm -hmm. to, uh, you know, stereotyping as opposed yeah. to putting you in a box or whatever. What yeah. would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't? When I when when you can come on my show and I would like to schedule you like next week or something. <laughs> yeah. I I'll be on your show whenever you want me on your show, man. I have a whole lot of respect for you. I think you do very very Thank good you. work, and not only that, I think we need a hell of a lot more of you. Thank you. Uh, we need young. I imagine you're a millennial or a gen millennial. I am. I am. You you nailed it. Like I'm right on the cusp. I'm a 1980 baby. So like depending on who you ask, I'm a millennial or a Gen Xer. I just say I'm both. Well, I'm you know, I I'm, I, I'm a I'm a I'm on the cusp of Boomer Gen X. I okay. claim the Gen X because there I'm trying like hell. <laughs> <laughs> I am too. That's why I'm claiming the millennials. I'm like, oh, just let me let me just be a millennial for one more year. But reality, man, I'm over the hill. I just I just turned 40. So I'm, I'm it's Oh, time you're young, brother. You're young. <laughs> but you know, I am 59. You're young. <laughs> oh man. Well, yes. you want you look great, man. Well, I, I try I try to do the right things, but what can yeah. I say? Hey, that's amazing. That's amazing. But look, let me tell you, uh, Ben, it's been my honor to have you on Politics Done Right. Please yeah. don't become a stranger. If you ever have something to say uh, to the audience that we have here, please just, you know, give me a call. Say, Berto, I need to be on. I want to come and say that. So thank you Absolutely. so much for having Absolutely. me. Absolutely. And, and please keep an eye out for an invite because I want to get you on next week or the next, whatever, whatever's convenient for your schedule. Well, I'll be there. Thank you, my brother. All right. Take care, man. Have a good one. You too. Now. Well, I hope you enjoyed that, folks. Please remember that uh, this is your station, and as being your station, if you want to continue to hear programs like this, if you want to continue to hear independent media, independent music, independent everything, uh, things that are more esoteric, please remember, we need your support. So please go to kpft.org, kpft.org, and support us. Click that Donate button and support us. And don't forget, you can get Politics Done Right Five days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, by going to politicsdoneright.com. If you want to see all our videos, etc., politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube, politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube. Please remember, go to our Twitter and follow Egberto Willis. That's my handle, follow Egberto Willis. On Facebook Live, you can reach us and watch the program daily at 3 p.m. Just remember to go to the page, Politics Unright page. That's the Politics Unright uh, page on uh, Facebook, Politics Unright with Egberto Willis on Facebook. As well, you can watch us on Twitch, and we have the podcast, everything. So, folks, you can get your dose of Politics Unright Every day, either by going to politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube or going to politicsdoneright.com, the page, or going to Facebook Live by hitting or, or searching for Politics Done Right with Egberto Willis. Thank you so kindly for being with us. You know how I'm going to end this, baby. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right, and I am what? Out! Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program 
that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to hear your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willis. Let us engage. It is politics done right. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber. Signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal.